With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome, everybody, back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever, and alongside me is Logan Camden. And week 18 of NFL action delivered, Logan. The Nerd Sesh Bowl is inevitable. With their win tonight, the Buffalo Bills will be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers next weekend. Obviously, a lot on the line there. I think we're going to have to come up with some wagers. We'll discuss that later. But let's just start with Buffalo picking up this big win against Miami, which was for the division. They had already secured their playoff spot, but now they are the two seed. What did this win say to you about the Bills? Did I still feel the same way about the Buffalo Bills, that they can make some stuff happen and they can go on a bit of a playoff run. The AFC is very wide open this year. Uh, yeah. You ask anybody, their opinion may differ on who they're taking out of the AFC this season. Uh, I have been staunchly on the side of the Kansas City Chiefs. Carson, I know that you have believed in the Baltimore Ravens. This year, more than any other year, feels wide open in terms of the AFC, the NFC. Anybody can beat anybody. Every team is flawed, and... What I really saw tonight was the Bills receiving core going to work, and that's what I was most impressed with is mm-hmm. I think the Bills might have the surrounding pieces. You know, I thought it was going to be on Gabe Davis's shoulder, and Gabe Davis has his fair share of gaffes in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe Davis stinks. Newsflash, guys. Uh, he's not that good. But Dalton Kincaid was making play after play, uh, getting open for Josh Allen. Khalil Shakir came up huge. Trent Sherfield, I think, is better than Gabe Davis. Even that one play, the one play where him and Josh don't connect when Trent Sherfield changes up field and points and goes, leave the ball here. That showed me that Trent Sherfield has more in his brain and has more in his bag as a receiver than Gabe Davis. Like even that, oh, hey, maybe I need to move to a new spot and get Josh to find me the ball. I, I was really impressed with, and I have been really impressed with the skill talent of the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, a playoff run for the Buffalo Bills is going to come down to the shoulder. It's going to come down to Josh Allen. He has over 400 total yards in this game. Some bad turnovers in this game turn it from a seven-point game to what should have been more of a blowout for Buffalo. 
Uh, they consistently marched down the field. Moving the ball was not an issue. They stifled the Dolphins defensively. Like, I think the Bills are talented enough to do it. I don't know if it's going to happen. There's a ton of other factors. But my biggest concern, Carson, has been this receiving group. And I saw a lot tonight, man. I, I saw a lot that impressed me. And I think that they have yeah. the group offensively to go out and potentially make some noise. The Bills aren't my pick, but uh, I would not be surprised. The Bills are certainly a scary, scary team heading uh, heading into the playoffs. You have to give props to the supporting cast in this one. Khalil Shakir is a guy with some real downfield downfield speed. Sherfield made some plays. Kincaid, I thought, was awesome. The guy is just a mismatch for a lot of people. He's really good in space. He's quick for a tight end. We've seen him come on more and more as the years progressed. And that's the single biggest difference that I've noticed from Joe Brady as the play caller versus Ken Dorsey. People will look at the production. And it's very similar. And it's not that all of a sudden they have some incredibly innovative, game-breaking guy calling plays. But it is uh, the emphasis on getting multiple dudes involved. On establishing the run game with James Cook, who it turns out is really good. But on in the receiving game. Using James Cook as a receiver. Using the tight ends, especially Dalton Kincaid more. Just spreading the ball around because this offense became so one-dimensional. So reliant on the Josh Allen digs attack. And now there is a different ceiling as you're getting more guys involved. So I agree with you on that front. My biggest takeaway from all of this is that it's just an unbelievable accomplishment that the Buffalo Bills won this division this year. (laughs) After losing Trey White, Matt Milano, and Daquan Jones within two weeks of each other. After losing to the Jets on a punt return touchdown in a four turnover game, letting Mac Jones lead a game-winning touchdown drive, having 12 men on the field against the Denver Broncos, losing the Eagles game in circumstances no football team has ever lost with the stat line that the Bills put up. There has been so much talk of Stefan Diggs being unhappy in this situation. Sean McDermott, it was released told the fellas to be more like the 9-11 hijackers. Gabe Davis has just consistently been sabotaging the team, and I do wonder if perhaps he is betting against the Buffalo Bills. And with all of those things working against them, like genuinely, the season from hell, injuries, mind-blowing gaffes, a really tough schedule this year. They have 11 wins for the fourth straight season. Only them and the Chiefs have been so consistently great in the regular season. Josh Allen, has 40-plus touchdowns for the fourth straight season, which has never happened. And they are the number two seed in the AFC. What an incredible accomplishment. And you can still have questions about the Bills. You can say they're imperfect. You can say they've been inconsistent. And all of that is true. But against the new golden boys of their division, they gave it to them twice. And they are still the ones sitting atop this division. And that is remarkable to me. And Josh has been so slandered this year. And he made mistakes today. But when it came down to it, he made plays. And he put this team on his back. 426 total yards of offense. And I thought, outside of that one fumble on third down where he gets sacked, he was pretty fantastic in the second half of this game. He was accurate. He was efficient as a passer. He was on time consistently. And then that final drive, as they're trying to put the game out of reach, the Dolphins do end up getting the ball back. But... There's just a couple of signature Josh Allen moments. That fourth and one where he launches his body to convert. And then the third and 13 on the next series. That unbelievable scramble where he's making dudes miss. He's bouncing off of dudes. He just finds a way to keep going and get exactly the yardage that is needed. It's such a singularly Josh Allen experience to watch a dude who is the best competitor in the league 
and is also one of the two most physically gifted players to ever play the position, that guy's going to make you a damn good football team no matter what. And that is what he has done through all the ups and downs this season. And that's why you can't deny his greatness. That's why you can't deny his status as clearly a top three quarterback in football. To me, still top two. So shout out to the supporting cast. And even though this wasn't a perfect Josh game, my takeaway is just about over the totality of the season, how much he did to keep this team afloat. And this game was no exception. That being said, the story of this game easily could have been missed opportunities. Oh, yeah. Because early Josh missed digs on a deep ball that could have been a long touchdown. Perfect double mood by Diggs. There was no safety help over top, and Josh just overthrew him. Gabe and Josh have disastrous chemistry. Like, he needs to be gone. Gabe needs to be gone. That first interception, Gabe breaks inside. Josh thinks he's breaking outside. That has happened several times this year on choice routes. It just sucks to watch. There's nothing there, and Gabe also just isn't good. And then the second interception is totally on Josh. That was going to be a pick no matter what. I didn't like the play call there on fourth and two. It felt like every route was downfield. To me, in those situations, you always want to weaponize Josh's athleticism. doesn't always have to be a quarterback draw or a sneak or designed run of some kind, but get him out in space and certainly don't make it so it's a boom or bust situation where he's throwing to the end zone. And that was basically an arm punt. That being said, it was funny that Gabe Davis just fell down because that's just a signature Gabe Davis moment. You have the refs missing an obvious P.I. on Dawson Knox on that first red zone drive. Could have gotten a touchdown out of that. Potentially things go different. They missed the helmet to helmet on the final play of the first half where McDermott was very mad at Josh for keeping that ball in the field of play, which I understand at the same time, the guy had a real chance to score. Like that angle, that timing, it really looked like a touchdown opportunity. I don't have a problem with Josh doing that, but they fall short. They can't get that field goal off. There was helmet to helmet though. Could have been a targeting call. So you have all of these missed opportunities that result in them after that fumble in the third quarter, having 356 yards of offense and seven points because they had three drives into scoring position that resulted in zero points. That so easily could have been the story of this game, but it wasn't. They just kept coming. Josh kept making plays. Of course, you have a super timely punt return touchdown from Deontay mm-hmm. Hardy, which was awesome. The defense stepped up and shut down the Dolphins, and they overall they overcame all of that, and they won. And that hasn't always been the case for the Bills this year. Sometimes they have just blown things in miraculous fashion. But to end the year on that note, I think is a positive. Did this change your mind, Carson, at all about the MVP race? No. Lamar is the MVP. I think Lamar was so consistently brilliant. And he didn't have down games like Josh did on a couple occasions. I mean, Josh ends this year with 18 picks. And you can point some of that to weird circumstances. Not every interception is on the quarterback. I absolutely believe he does so much more good that outweighs that. But he was just a little bit too mistake prone this year, even by his standards. There were a couple games where he just didn't get the rhythm going. The Bills offense came out slow. Lamar came out every week. And even if the touchdown totals weren't there, he led really good offense. And I still think that he has to be the guy because of that. But I think Josh makes the second best case. I would have Josh above everybody else. Do you think, uh, does Josh own the Dolphins officially? Oh my God, Josh owns the Dolphins. That's beneficial, bro. But I said this, we did a Twitter spaces with our guy Wolf today, Wolf Financial on Twitter. Josh's career stats coming into this game against the Dolphins, he was 9-2, 31 touchdowns through the air, 5 interceptions, 274 passing yards per game, and 57 rushing yards per game. Passer rating of 110, like he's played 
basically perfect football. And he wasn't perfect in this one, but he still created a whole, whole bunch of offense. So, yes, he does. And on the flip side of that, Logan, Tua really struggles against the Buffalo Bills. And I think we have to have this conversation. You and I have both been hesitant to ride the Tua train and to anoint him as a truly elite NFL quarterback, the MVP frontrunner that a lot of people have made him out to be. How concerned are you about how he fares against high-level competition, what that means for the Dolphins' playoff upside? I don't think it's a controversial opinion at all at this point. Uh, oh, that, well, I mean, tell I that think, to Miami Dolphins fans. I think Tua is the concern that you have to have about the Miami Dolphins in their playoff run. Like, I, I don't get how you don't see it. When he's rolling out of the pocket and he's throwing a, a 20-yard corner route, a 20-yard out route, for example, mm -hmm. this should not be a tough NFL throw. And don't get me wrong, this is the toughest NFL throw, but for guys at this stage, uh, like a 20-yard out, that's a tough that's a tough uh, route to throw, for example. But for NFL guys, it should be on time, timeliness, and it should be easy. Like Jordan Love, even though he doesn't get a ton of pop on his ball, there's touch, it's over the defender, he's standing there, he can make throws off balance. That's an example I'll use, right? There is some pop, too, with Jordan Love. There, he's there a much is, better arm talent. No, 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 I don't mean to put, yeah, I don't mean to put Love and Tua in that class, but what I mean is, you know, Love doesn't have the biggest arm, but he's got a big arm. And those mm -hmm. throws he can make with touch, he can make with velocity. Mm-hmm. Every ball that Tua has thrown this year on those routes are him stepping up and running and scrambling to get more juice into the throw so he has the the energy to get it there. Mm -hmm. But it's also that it comes out like a duck and it's floating up. I don't get that. That has to be your biggest concern. That when you can disrupt, like a huge shout out to the Bills' corners. Oh my gosh! Wow, they have played. Plays. They have played their tails off the second half of the season, and in this game, I mean, they are drawing one of the toughest matchups in all of football. This is the best, fastest offense in football for any tandem. This is a, for any group. This is a nightmare scenario if you're a secondary. And they slowed them down. Why? Because of Tua. I, you know what I mean? When you can jam the receivers, when you can get two guys in between them, and you can force Tua to have to be more accurate, to have to throw the ball harder with more velocity and just be more timely with better touch. I, Tua doesn't meet the standard to me. And I'm not hating on him. Like I said, yeah. there are a lot of great defense or good defenses that Tua can play and he can be successful. And there's a lot of play calls that Mike McDaniel can put, dial up and they can get the ball out quick and they can cover up for his limitations. But when it comes down to it, when it is time for your, your guy the guy that dictates NFL games more than anything else, the guy that dictates football games, I don't trust Tua to make the big plays. I yeah. don't. That's what football games come down to sometimes, is mm -hmm. your guy having to make big plays. I don't trust Tua to do those things to go above and beyond. And so that has to be my chief concern with the Dolphins making a playoff run. And Carson, that would probably be the reason, combined with the, the defense that I don't think is that great, why the Dolphins don't win a playoff game at all this year. I would probably pick them to get bounced in the first round. Is it possible? Yeah, they can, but I wouldn't pick it. I think Tua is still the biggest limiting factor on this football team. Tua's good, but very early in the year, I had the take where I compared him to Jared Goff, and I said, these are guys who, if you put them in good situations, they can do good things from inside the pocket. 
Tua has even more exceptional timing and accuracy when things are going on schedule. Goff does have more arm talent, so they have their distinct strengths. But fundamentally, they have limitations as creators. And they have these propensities at times to just do boneheaded stuff and turn the ball over a little bit too much in untimely situations. And you would have literally thought that I compared Tua to Saddam Hussein (laughs) or Paul Pot based on the response that, that take got. And I think the time has proven that that is the tier that he belongs in. That this is not some MVP frontrunner. This is not some top five quarterback, no matter how many times people try to anoint him as that. Because it does matter when you have physical limitations. And it does matter when you can't create out of structure. And it does matter when you can panic under pressure and make these sort of dumb decisions. And we have seen it far too often against really high-level competition. They are 1-5 in this year against teams with winning records. And Tua has consistently struggled in those outings. In their losses this year, he is giving you just 223 passing yards a game. He has as many passing touchdowns as interceptions. And I saw it in person in that first game against the Bills. They were getting pressure with four. He wasn't able to just consistently go to his first read. Not everything was on schedule. And when things broke down, that's when he struggled. That's when he started to make some boneheaded plays. And in this one, again, he has a couple costly mistakes. He has a really bad throw on the first pick. And then the final two plays of the game, both could have been interceptions for him. Throws a ball that is way too much of a duck. And an awesome play, I believe it was Taylor Rapp on the second-to-last one as well, breaking that up, and Christian Benford had a chance at an interception off a deflection. And then the next one is just an easy pick for Taylor Rapp. I just think that we've seen that too many times against good competition, against good defenses, in situations where you need to to go out there and ball for you. His limitations have come back to bite them. And the Dolphins just do not scare me. I expect the Chiefs to take care of them, and Mm -hmm. that's a team that has been inconsistent. That's a team that has issues. But I think that that defense is elite. I think that that quarterback is the best on the planet. And with the Dolphins, especially now with their injuries, like their defense had been trending up. But now with Bradley Chubb out, Van Genkel gets hurt in this one. I just don't think that that overall group is strong enough. The pass rush has been the strength for them. And that pass rush is now kind of decimated. They just don't scare me. I, I have too many concerns about the quarterback position, about what level the defense can reach. And if you aren't really good in either of those two categories, ideally you want to be really good in both, then I just really question what your playoff ceiling is. Yeah, and I mean, considering that we're going to get Kansas City, I think it's going to be one and done again for them. It's another impressive year for Miami, the fact that you know they've been able to reach these heights offensively and how they've been able to cover up for Tua. But that to me is the thing, Carson, is that they're still covering up. Uh, I, I don't – I would take the Dolphins – I think they're one and done, man. I just, I don't have yeah. any faith in, in this team making uh, a run whatsoever, man. I do want to give props to the Bills DBs because Taylor Rapp, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson, Teron all Johnson. of those dudes made big plays. God, I love Taron Johnson, bro. He is such a playmaker. Like, these are depth guys. Well, a lot of them have Stepping turned up, into man. starters. They've really stepped up. Really made big-time plays, and I'm proud of all of them. I appreciate all of them. Shout-out to them. And this Bills defense has been better in recent weeks. Like, I certainly don't think it's what it could have been at full health, although Daquan Jones is back now, and it seemed like he was probably going to be out for the season, so that's a positive. But they have certainly trended up from where they were at midseason when they hit a real low point. Logan, the Nerd Sesh Bowl is incoming, though. And you won the first bet that we made about your Steelers. I have to congratulate you. It was a bet that you would have to wear a toupee if the Steelers missed the playoffs and somehow through voodoo magic, through special teams and defense and 
Whatever the hell Mike Tomlin puts in their water, man, the Steelers have made the playoffs. So I guess I have to wear a wig. Is that we never even specified a punishment for me? I was so sure that you were just going to wear a toupee and it was going to be awesome. I was certain of those circumstances as well, Carson. Uh, yeah. I, I suppose I will purchase a wig. We will uh, right. work out the duration of how long you will wear the wig. Uh, okay. When will you wear wigs? Uh, yes, I will wear wigs. When will I wear wigs? Next show. Or whenever the wigs get here, I'll wear it for one show. But here's what I want to do. Okay. I want to make a follow-up bet here because we can't have a Bill Steelers bet without stakes. Course, you won the first course. one, fair and square. What is an appropriate wager to place on this one just straight up i've got some ideas okay i don't know if this one is too much but how would you feel about going to a lo local open mic five minutes ideally you would stream it on tiktok i don't know if they allow you i assume that they do and uh, you just got to go up there and you got to entertain a bunch of strangers would you do that if the steelers lose I mean, that sounds kind of funny. That doesn't yeah, it really does sound funny, That right? sounds kind of funny, man. Uh, yeah, okay. The other things that I was thinking of were more torturous. No, no, I was thinking punishment. I was trying punishment. to think of an equivalent of, like, back in the day, Logan had to watch every movie <laughs> oh, starring God. known heartthrob Noah Centineo. I think oh, that there was, like, gosh. seven. It was, like, 15 hours of movies. And then he did, we did a show talking about them because I watched a couple with him. But I thought that worked because we were to, we were living together at the time, like... I could watch a couple of them with you. That was more fun. I don't want to make you do something like that in isolation. That seems cruel. So we'll use at least the five minutes at an open mic night as a placeholder. The one thing that I'm going to add to this so that it is a little bit more brutal is I'm going to at least write part of your performance. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to do the whole thing. Well, you could be doing this for me as well. It's yeah, true. My Bills true. could lose this game, but I do have confidence in them against the Steelers. All right. If we come up with something better, if you guys throw some great ideas at us, we'll be flexible. Maybe we'll change it, but there has to be something on the line. So the Bills are in, the Steelers are in, and the Philadelphia Eagles, Logan, have just stumbled into the playoffs. They've been clinched for a bit, but they blew their chance at the one seed a few weeks back. They blew their chance at the division, and they lost outright today to the New York Giants. They have lost five of their last six games. Are they the worst team in the playoff field right now? I don't think the Eagles are the worst only because the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the playoff picture. Uh, Whoa, you're not picking the Bucs? Oh, no, I think the Bucs are going to win, but I think the Eagles are better. Okay. Respect. Uh, I got to slide to my corked up white boy, Baker Mayfield, man. He's going to make course. some stuff happen. You already know. Uh, you already should know. I, you already should know University. I can't quit on Baker Mayfield just yet. I... And I think the Eagles, like, the thing with the Eagles is literally just, to me, it's something that is baffling is the amount of big plays that they allow. Like, it's it's insane to me mm -hmm. is that every, every game, it's a shot play up a sideline or it's a go route and the Eagles yeah. are getting completely torched. The Hurts injury is concerning. The A.J. Brown injury is concerning. Uh, Carson, you mentioned the space that we did with Wolf earlier, too, and I talked about how... It's not always the talented teams. It's it's you know you need to have momentum. You need to have mojo going to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's important that you establish a a rhythm, a flow. Yeah, you, you know, just you get some good juju going in before the playoffs start. And the Eagles have been on one of the worst skids I can remember 
uh, going into a playoff run uh, yeah. ever. And only, only the 2020 Steelers would really compare, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, well, that's a really good comp, actually. Um, and because of that, you know, that's why I'm, that's a big part of why I'm picking the Buccaneers. It's like, you know, you show me week after week that you can't stop anybody, that you mm-hmm. let all these big shot plays. Uh, Hurts has continually not, you know, failed to step his game up. I do think he's dealing with a few injuries, and I think it's important to note. I think that is a component of Jalen Hurts' struggles, but the quarterback isn't playing at the adequate level. Uh, the talent level isn't what the Eagles were at last season after they've been depleted. The coordinators aren't as good. You're on a complete slide and skid on the second half of this season. Like, no, I'm not taking uh, I'm not taking Philly to, to, to win a playoff game. And I think, like I said, I think the Steelers are worse. I don't know how the Steelers do it. Uh, Carson, I think they're the first team with... Uh, a negative point differential, or this low of a negative point differential to win 10 games. Like, I I don't think that uh, anybody has ever done what the Steelers did this year. It is truly mm-hmm. uh, unprecedented. Yeah. So the Eagles, Carson, I think talent-wise aren't the worst in the field, but they have the least amount of momentum. It is grinded to a complete halt, and you could argue that the Eagles are moving backwards. Uh, I just think they've lost their mojo and for that reason, uh, you know, they got to go on the road, too. I'm not going to take them to win. I think that with the weapons that Tampa Bay has, with Rashad White, with Mike Evans, the Chris Godwin, I think they take two to three shot plays, they execute, and I think that is the difference maker between them and uh, Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be a good game, but I just think the big plays rear their ugly head, and Baker Mayfield and company make enough of them to steal this one. It's certainly not impossible. And the Eagles are definitely in that bottom tier of teams in the playoff field. I agree with you on the others, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, but I do think that they're better than both. And these injuries can kind of throw a wrench into that because this is a team that is already a disaster. And if they're down A.J. Brown, Mm -hmm. who I'm not optimistic is going to play, like the only update that we've had is that he didn't tear his ACL, which is good, but he was out for this entire game. And I certainly expect Hurts to play. It's rare that any finger thing would keep a quarterback mm-hmm. out of a playoff game but it's definitely a n- little bit gnarly what happened to him oh and yeah he tried to return to this game it didn't work like it could definitely affect him throwing the football and he's already been dealing with all of these little bumps and bruises throughout the year so the injury situation isn't great i do still think as much as hurts has struggled and i have been critical of him for the decision making turnovers struggling more against some new defensive looks without his coordinator all of these things are real They still have good quarterback play. They still have a damn good O-line. And even without AJ, it's still a decent receiving core. Devontae and Goddard, it gets pretty shallow after that. Julio, they're probably going to have to rely on Julio in a spot like that. With AJ, it's a damn good cast of weapons. We'll see if he plays. And at least that defensive front and that pass rush Mm -hmm. is still something. Like, all of those units have not been as good as last year but I can still view them as legitimate strengths for this football team that got them to 11 wins at all. But this is another poor defensive performance. And you mentioned just the tendency to allow explosive plays, Logan. They're doing that today, not necessarily just through the air, but to an offense that averaged 15 points per game this year. One of the worst offenses we've seen in the last decade is getting what they want against the Eagles. Like that defense is just bad. There's no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts. The linebackers suck. The secondary has taken a step back. The pass rush hasn't been as dominant as last year. When you suck every single week, basically, for 17 weeks, you suck. They're the number 29 scoring defense, man. They suck. 
and I want you to reiterate something uh, on the space that we did earlier with Wolf. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought you summed it up really well, Carson, about the fact that we uh, covered up. Uh, you totally. know, the, 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 because of the, because they kept winning games. I thought you made a great point. Because they kept winning games, we just tended to ignore these flaws that have been evident totally. all season long. Yeah, that's the key point to me. You mentioned that momentum is important, and this is a team that has been sapped of all of their momentum, and that is real. At the same time, the Eagles were just never as good as that 5-0 and or that 10-1 and mm-hmm. record. And every red flag that we are talking about <laughs> now existed then. The difference is just that they found a way to sneak out with a win against the Commanders when they let that team put up almost 500 yards of offense. And then the Cowboys outplayed them, but they had a weird late-game gaffe. And then the Chiefs outplayed them, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling drops a ball that would have been the game-winning touchdown. And then the Bills outplay them, but they lose in these unprecedented circumstances. Just a couple timely plays that go in Philly's direction. Like, they were outplayed for four consecutive weeks and they won those games and they kept playing mediocre teams really tight escaping versus the pats escaping versus the vikings escaping versus the commanders Mm -hmm. twice and we explained it away because of their record and because of what they did last year but hertz has been shaky all year insane to think that the media made him the mvp favorite after the bills game insane because he has been shaky all year the run game hasn't been as dominant as last year this entire season. The defense has really struggled in these same categories this entire season. The adjustment losing both coordinators has been an issue this entire season. So yes, their momentum is very much trending in the wrong direction. And this is a team that has taken a step back from where they were, but they were never as good as their record. And I think we can say that pretty clearly with retrospect. 100%, 100%, 100 percent, Carson. Now, I gave out my prediction. Do you think that because they are still better in your eyes than Tampa Bay, do they eke out uh, a win against Tampa Bay? I am going to pick them. We're going to do a full playoff preview episode later in the week. By the way, obviously, we got to talk about all that. To me, it does come down to I trust the quarterback more for the Eagles. I trust the trench play more. Baker is still a very volatile experience. Although I think that the overall Tampa defense is better. I still think the Eagles' pass rush is probably better, and I don't think there's a ton that Tampa does at a really high level. And they've still they've been running the football better as of late, but I still don't view that as a real strength. I just think the Eagles are the more talented team still, and I do have more faith in their quarterback versus the Bucs. But it's not like they're some heavy favorite. It's not like I can't see a world. They just lost to the Giants. Lost to the Seahawks. They're losing to everybody. Like, they're not very good. But the Bucks to me, aren't all that good either. It's really a mid-off, bro. That is the mid-off of the playoffs here. College football fans, the championship is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook is making sure you can throw down on the epic showdown for a shot at big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on the championship game. Download the app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But you know who couldn't even get into the mid-off, Logan? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Because they went from 8-3 and three all the way down to 9-8, and eight, blew the division, blew a chance at a wild card spot, and are out of the dance entirely. Who is most to blame for their collapse? There's a lot of people that we should point the finger at in Jacksonville. And I, I want to preface this by saying uh, the 2023 Jacksonville Jaguars... We should not by any means let them off the hook. This is one of the greatest individual single-season collapses mm-hmm. ever, ever. Uh, if you guys want, on YouTube, there's a great video uh, I watched when I was a kid. They used to do this show on NFL Network called Top 10, uh, and they went over, mm-hmm. uh, ranked everything, Classic. everything you can think of. Uh, one of my favorite shows helped me establish a, a really wide knowledge base of NFL stuff in history. And they, they break down a lot of the great individual uh, single-season collapses. It's, it's a Great uh, hour-long video. You guys should check it out if you got time. And the Jaguars, to me, I don't know where they fall on that list. This is certainly up there. Uh, when I think of some of the great collapses of my lifetime, uh, like you said, Carson, start at 8-3, and three, miss the playoffs. They have a 1-5 and five skid to close out the season. Uh, I think about the 08 Jets with Brett Favre. They come out of the gates firing 8-3, and three, finish the season 9-7. and seven. The 09 Broncos... Uh, start out 6-0 and undefeated in Josh McDaniel's first six games. They slide 2-4, and and then they lose their final four games, 8-8, eight and eight, miss the playoffs. The 2012 Bears start out 7-1, and miss the playoffs at 10-6. and six. And then, of course, the infamous 2018 Steelers start out 7-2-1 and one, and finish 9-6-1. and one. This year's Jags team belongs in the conversation with all of them. I think a lot of different people in Jacksonville deserve blame uh, for the Jaguars' collapse. I think it starts with the defense. Uh, you know, they've invested a lot up in the front seven recently. Guys like Josh Allen, guys like Trayvon Walker, and I think that is the strength of their team. Uh, but this is not a great overall defense. Uh, not great covering over the middle. Their secondary is not great. Uh, their front four, while it's... Uh, those guys are good at setting the edge, run-stopping. They get a little pressure... It's not a great pass rush. I still think they need more. So they're underwhelming and below average on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think it's just not a good side of the football. Offensively, I think the most share of the blame goes to Press Taylor and uh, the offensive play calling. I've talked about this a lot through the season with Jacksonville, and it's really hard on a young quarterback. And I know that T-Law is touted franchise guy. He should be able to overcome some of these circumstances it's really hard when you continually put your quarterback in situations like Press Taylor did. Uh, getting behind the line, getting behind the sticks. The Jacks can't run the ball. They don't get a ton of push up with their offensive line. Uh, in between the tackles, outside the tackles. They just don't get great push. Uh, they throw a lot of screen passes on early downs that repeatedly get tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, normally teams, when they run the ball... Uh, between the tackles, outside, if they're not getting a ton of push, if they can't run the ball, you supplement that by going to the screen game, right? It's a way to keep the clock moving. You give your defense some rest. Uh, you're moving the sticks, and you're staying ahead of it. But when you're doing this, when you're running it on early downs, 
when you're getting tackled and behind the line of scrimmage on early downs, you're just setting up your quarterback for failure. And I do think Trevor Lawrence is at fault somewhat in this situation. But I just want to be clear that there's a lot of other external factors that aren't on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders. This is not a great O-line. The weapons aren't great. You know, I like Ingram. I like Ridley. I like Zay Jones. I like ETN. They aren't dominant weapons. And he's been without Christian Kirk, his number one weapon, for a mm-hmm. while now. And that has certainly hindered Trevor Lawrence. I think Lawrence deserves blame for overthrows, for not executing when plays are there, and then for being reckless with the football. Mm-hmm. Trevor's a guy who likes to sling it, man. He's going to put it in harm's way. He's going to try to make those big plays, and sometimes it doesn't pay off. But that's the thing I want to be clear about. It seems like a lot of people are coming down on the Trevor Lawrence is not a franchise quarterback camp, that they are completely out on T-Law as a guy, and I just want you guys to pump the brakes. I really want you to press yeah. pause. I, I don't know where that comes from. If Trevor Lawrence is not your guy, you can think that. To me, Trevor Lawrence is every bit the franchise quarterback that I believe him to be. Was this a disappointing mm-hmm. season? Yes. Carson had him as this dark horse MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, we all talked about with how easy the schedule was for the Jaguars, that they were a dark horse to potentially win the AFC, lock up a one seed. This is a team that missed the playoffs completely. Like, this is yeah. a disappointing year for Trevor Lawrence. We expected him to take this, take last year, where he made really big strides and improvements and propel himself as a franchise bona fide superstar guy. I still think Trevor Lawrence is that guy. I just don't think there are enough things in place for him to succeed right now. I think he needs more weapons. I think the defense has to get better. I think the offensive line needs to get better. And I think he needs a different play caller. I think Press Taylor should be gone. I just don't think he's good at his job. I just don't think he's a good schematic game caller. Uh, So a lot of different people deserve blame in the Jags camp. But this should not fall on all of Trevor's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people have come away from this season with that sentiment that Trevor Lawrence is no longer the guy and he's fraudulent. I don't feel that way at all. That's just the fundamental attribution error of football. Is quarterback most important player? So quarterback bears the brunt of all wins and losses. And that's just not how the sport works. That is not at all to say that T-Law wasn't disappointing this year, that he didn't have issues. That can be true without looking at him and saying, you are the problem here. Because I agree with everything that you laid out, Logan. Press Taylor's not a good play caller. He's not creative. The passing attack is stagnant. It's conservative. You need to have a guy who is a high-level offensive mind. When you are trying to build around your franchise quarterback, he's not that guy. They lost a key weapon in Christian Kirk, who had been their most productive receiver, who was so effective attacking that middle of the field. Their run game consistently sucked, and especially in these last six weeks, ETN was averaging 47 rushing yards per game and 3.9 yards per carry. And their defense really struggled in five losses, these five losses out of their last six games. They allowed 29.2 points per game. Jake Browning and Joe Flacco lit them up in consecutive games where their offense actually put up points. They put up 31, they put up 37, but when you're letting up 34 and 31 to these replacement quarterbacks... A lot of that falls on your defense. And then in this one, this is not a good Tennessee offense. And Derrick Henry ran all over them. So when you underachieve to this extent, when you are a team that people are expecting to win 11, 12 games, even if we didn't view them in that elite AFC tier because they played in the AFC South, I thought they could go 5-1. and one. They might even be able to go 6-0 mm-hmm. oh in this division. And can they win a couple of those 50-50 games against the other good teams in the AFC? Sure. But outside of the Bills... 
They didn't. They lost to all the good teams they played. They got manhandled by the Ravens. They got manhandled by the Niners. They lost to the Browns. They lost to the Bengals without Joe Burrow. And so there has to be a lot of things that go wrong when things fall apart like this. T-Law did struggle. Last five games, he was nine touchdowns to seven picks, just six and a half yards per attempt. He's playing banged up. I think that you have to acknowledge that. But he needs to take better care of the football. And it felt like we didn't see the same special moments from him that we know that he's capable of. And that's kind of what we've been saying is this Jags team doesn't do anything at a really high level unless T-Law is playing like a top five quarterback, unless he's doing superstar stuff. And he didn't do enough of that this year for them to make the playoffs. And he does bear responsibility for that because he has those sort of expectations. This is a guy who was viewed as one of the great quarterback prospects ever, who had an awesome second season last year, who was my Dark Horse MVP pick, And he didn't quite live up to the expectations. But I think that there are a lot of people who are going to look at the raw statistics, who are going to look at the team results in terms of how this year ended up, and they are going to hop all the way off the Trevor Lawrence wagon. And I'm with you, dude. You can sell your stock. I'm staying on. I still think this dude has all the physical tools, all of the physical tools. (laughs) 6'6", moves really well, great arm talent. I think that he can vary his throws. I think that he mostly sees the game well and is smart and can just at times be a little bit too Mm -hmm. careless with the football. More to me than interceptions, far more. His problem is holding on to the ball when he gets hit. He fumbles too much. Same thing that Josh does. He fumbles too much. I think if that's something that can be worked out, I still think uh, absolutely a franchise quarterback. I think a future top five quarterback. I'd make an OC change. I think that you need to actively empower Trevor to make that next leap. And he didn't make it this year. When he does... You will be a better football team, but you need to put better pieces around him in terms of personnel as well. You got to figure out how to run the ball. Uh, once Christian Kirk is back, I do think this receiving core is good enough. And then you got to improve defensively. So overall, the Jags just weren't that good. And even it's sitting at eight and three, it wasn't an impressive eight and three. The bottom fell out, but this team was never really great at all that much. And uh, it's tough to really succeed in the NFL when that's the case. Yeah, and you can get on Trevor for being gung-ho. I think you make a great comparison with Josh Allen uh, when you talk about fumbles, interceptions, big plays. Trevor is that kind of guy. You know what I mean? And Trevor believes in himself in that way, too. Like, you have to take the good with the bad in those situations. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is he's got a little bit of that gunslinger in him. He wants to make that big play, and he's going to fight to do it. That means scrambling, holding on to the ball way too long. It's the classic Big Ben, Brett Favre, Josh Allen. I think T-Law falls in that same category. You live by the gunslinger, you die Mm -hmm. by the gunslinger. And this is what happens when you ask the gunslinger to try to overcome so many bad circumstances. This is a really negative situation, and I hope that Jacksonville does a dramatic retool. I think Doug Peterson is the guy. That's the one thing that I think Jacksonville has to do is hold on to Doug. I love Mm -hmm. him as a culture setter, you know, as the— as a foundational guy for a young team and a young quarterback, he is a good stabilizer that gets it. But coordinators, personnel, let's clean it up. Now, Logan, the team that did end up winning the AFC South, stealing it from under the Jags' noses, that would be the Houston Texans, led by C.J. Stroud, who was the best quarterback in the division this year. Whatever you think going forward, he outplayed T-Law this year, regardless of circumstances. Is he stamped? As the best rookie quarterback ever. Nerd says quick stats break. CJ Stroud. Yes. 
Only 11 quarterbacks have started 13 or more games in their rookie campaign and led their team to the playoffs. Ben mm. Roethlisberger, Kyle Orton, Mark Sanchez, Andy Dalton, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. I can't count. This is 12 quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Mac Jones. CJ Stroud. He is one of nine quarterbacks to go from worst to first. That's something mm. that I really want to emphasize here. To not only lead your team to the playoffs as a rookie, yeah. super impressive to go from dead last in your division to first is insane. That list is Orton, Ryan, Flacco, Dalton, Luck, Griffin the Third, Prescott, and CJ. CJ had the second most passing yards per game by a rookie outside of Justin Herbert with 273 per game. Herbert had 289, and he had the fifth most passing touchdowns by a rookie with 25. I think when you look at the totality of the resume, it has to be C.J. Shroud. Uh, mm -hmm. Especially, we prefaced the Jaguars segment with Trevor Lawrence's expectations. The Texans' expectations in this season, I think yep. if they won five to six games and C.J. looked good, this would have been a good year. You fired everybody. You cleaned house. We got a new head coach. We got a new quarterback. I mean, it is a... This is a franchise that hit the nuke button. They hit the yep. reset button. We were blowing everything up and in the first year you go to the from worst to first it's nuts yeah I, I mean and again the circumstances are everything not a great offensive line not an overwhelmingly great defense not great receiving talent and tj stroud comes here and handles business i do think stroud has the benefit of playing with bobby slowick a great offensive mind offensive coordinator yep. i think that is a huge benefit to such a young player uh, but, you know, this defense plays tough. They've been pretty good most of the year. Uh, C.J. Stroud has been one of the 10 best quarterbacks in football. It's it's remarkable. And, again, if you look at these other guys, I, Carson, I can't think of a more impressive uh, yeah. quarterback to me. The closest guy would be Andrew Luck. Uh, because when you when you include everything to me, circumstances, what he did, he takes over a 2-14 and 14 team. Now, granted, I think it is, again, worth mentioning, when Peyton Manning left that team, they were 12 win. That's mm -hmm. the difference of Peyton Manning, to, or maybe they went 14. I mean, Peyton covered up holes on that team, but Andrew Luck yeah. brought them from two wins to 11 back to the playoffs. He's the only one, to me, that really holds a candle. And again, that's a different situation. That's a contending team with a good quarterback. The Texans weren't even close and have done it. And I have to think if you're the Carolina Panthers, you have to be. David Tepper has to be absolutely fuming uh, that mm -hmm. that he stepped in there and made the yeah. wrong decision, that his guys wanted C.J. Stroud. You could have been the team. Because, again, this is unheard of. That's yeah. why I always thought that David Tepper being so upset that the Panthers aren't great immediately, these things take time. You know, mm -hmm. it takes three to four years to get a team, you know, take a look at the Bills, where they came from with Josh Allen, you know, from Tyrod Taylor and Shady yeah. to building up. It takes years normally. The Texans did it in one. It's remarkable. It's outstanding. I've never seen anything like it in all my years of watching football. Unequivocally to me, C.J. Shroud is the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen. I agree with you. I do want to give some props to the Houston Texans outside of C.J., though, because although I totally agree with you, the expectations were low. This was a team that was supposed to be in that Carolina tier. They were plus 800 just to win their own division, Logan, by far the longest odds. Their win total over-under before the year was 5.5. They were viewed as a bottom-tier football team. 
I just don't want to like push everybody else down to prop CJ up because there are other things that went right here. Like this did turn out to be a good defense and they have hit on a big way in their last two really high first rounders outside of CJ. Derek Stingley was awesome this year. Will Anderson absolutely props to them for going out, being aggressive, getting their guy on that side of the ball as well. He's really good. D'Amico, I think is just an awesome defensive coach. They put together a good pass rush. And so they were consistently above average on that side of the ball. And then the receiving core, no, it's not great. And what was so impressive is that when we held him up against the other guys at the top of the league in terms of passing efficiency, yards per attempt, stuff like that, it was Brock Purdy playing with this absolutely absurdly mm -hmm. loaded supporting cast. It was Tua with one of the best receiving tandems we've ever seen. And then it was CJ with these young, unproven receivers. Wildly impressive. Those receivers turned out to be pretty damn good on their own, though. Like, Nico Collins, the dude is big, he's athletic, he's got great hands. Tank Dell obviously got hurt late in the year, but he was a freak athlete out there. So, like, yes, CJ elevated those guys. CJ is so damn good already. But I also think of the receiving core, and even, like, other guys, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz. Like, it ended up being a solid room, I think, better than maybe how those names looked on paper before the year. But he's just the man. He's just the man. You mentioned that he's second all-time in passing yards per game by a rookie. He's also second in yards per attempt post-merger. The hilarious note that I will include here is that if you don't set a game minimums, then Nick Mullen is actually above him. Mm -hmm. Nick Mullins is above him on both of these lists. Yeah. That's a Kyle Shanahan stat, bro. Kyle Shanahan is unbelievable. But he also had the lowest interception percentage in the league this year while he is already up there for the best deep ball thrower in the league. And even if his weapons were underrated, it's not like he waltzed into offensive heaven here. Like, he is so clearly the driving force in this team's success. And I compare him to Herbert. I think what Luck did was awesome. The guy did turn the ball over a lot. I think that Herbert was more polished. He had these outstanding physical tools. And he did turn the team around. I mean, they were good. They just weren't quite playoff good. Their offense was great. Their defense sucked. Story of Herbert's life. But I think the separator for me is that CJ did get them to the playoffs, and he did that with some unbelievable clutch moments. This game, a win-in-your-in scenario, on that final drive, dude, he has that crazy touch throw backpedaling on second and 14, could set up a third and long, he makes a big play happen. Then, shortly after, it's a second and 13, he is getting nailed. Can't step into the throw, puts it right on the money to set up that touchdown. He hangs in the pocket, he makes big-time throws. And when he needs to use his legs, he does it well. But the guy just pushes the ball downfield, and he doesn't blink. He is so ready for the moment as a rookie. That and the Bucks game, like the clutch performance of the year, arguably the quarterback performance of the year, that is absurd composure, and that is absurd big-time creation with your arm talent and with your pocket presence for a rookie. So this is a special year in terms of individual production, in terms of team success, in terms of the talent, the poise, Everything that we saw from CJ this year was an A+. And when you are talking about the quarterbacks you want to have to build your franchise around, I think that you go, for me at least, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, and then I think that it's Herbert. I still think he has more physical tools. And then it's Stroud for me. He's in that top five. Like, this dude is so good already, and I think he's only going to get better. Ooh. We get back to the classic T-Law Stroud debate. I think... CJ, who I had one spot below T-Law in my quarterback rankings that we did a couple weeks ago. Rookie CJ was just better over the course of this season than third-year T-Law. 
Yeah, I understand that. I understand that completely. I would take Burrow too. Burrow has injury concerns. That is important to yeah. to note. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. Burrow, Herbert, T. Law, and then Stroud for me. And the next guy would probably be. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, do you Baker agree? Mayfield. I think I, no. I think this will be a nice segue into our next segment. Is it Jordan Love? NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Ooh, yes. Well, I'm not saying yes definitively, but it just fired me up that you said that. He's certainly in that tier. Absolutely. Uh, Jordan Love is awesome. And I have been waiting, Logan, for you to give him his respect. Because to be fair, I shouldn't be like the face of the Jordan Love love (laughs) fan base because I didn't necessarily see the vision early in this year. I thought he was like a low end starter, but are you sold now? Are you sold after he hooped out yet again? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Fire me up. I I, I am. I, I, I was, this is the Jordan love. I was waiting on the guy that we saw in the second half of this season. Cause I picked the Packers to win the division Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be a solid year. Over the second half of this season, these have been the stats that have been circulating around. This mm-hmm. is week nine and afterwards. First in total TDs and passing yards. And it really is the, I mean, it's everything. Uh, the touch that we see on balls, the ability to throw off balance, the yeah. composure. And that's, that's such the tough, it's the tough thing about QBs, man, is you want to judge them immediately, and you want to know eight games is not a big enough sample size to judge a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not nearly enough. I mean, and especially for a guy in the circumstances that Jordan Love was in where he's learning how to play in-game. And, you know, I don't mm-hmm. mean that as like to just like cut him a bunch of slack. Like, these are the first snaps he's taking. He's, I know he's not effectively a rookie, but 
in terms of actual on-field playing time, this guy is a rookie. He's got to get acclimated. And good, good googly moogly once he got acclimated, yeah. I mean, he took to it like a fish to water. Yeah. Jordan Love was one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL in the second half of the season. I mean, no, I didn't see the vision. I put him in the Kenny Pickett tier. I'm sorry, Jordan. You do not belong there. No, he doesn't. Uh, Get him out of there immediately. He's gone, and I have bumped him to the franchise QB tier where I oh, think yeah. he belongs. Yes. I think, like, after all the guys that we named, the next guy right after CJ on my list, for you it would be Trevor Lawrence, is Jordan Love. Agreed. I agree. The guy's awesome. And uh, you're absolutely right about the sample size because Love has always had good tools, not necessarily elite tools, right? But he's 6'4". He's certainly got an above-average arm. He's an above-average athlete. The issues for him early in this year were mostly about accuracy. Uh, it could be about pocket presence, decision-making. Stuff that can often just be correlated with inexperience at this level. And there was an inconsistency there that made me skeptical of him, right? Like he could have a dynamic first game, but then the next handful of weeks, Jordan Love was not all that good. But now we've seen him put together eight, nine weeks in a row where you're like, yep, this guy is just a baller. I mean, the efficiency is absurd. As you mentioned, one of the most productive quarterbacks in football. And today... I just thought, that guy looks like a vet. Like, he was so good attacking mm -hmm. the intermediate areas of the field. He was so accurate throwing to the sidelines. He was just surgical. Now, he does also have his flashy pass setting turned up to 99, <laughs> which I'm cool with, bro. I always enjoy that. The stuff that he does off balance, off his back yeah, foot. Yeah, man. It's fun. It's fun. Like, he's a really cool, fun guy to watch as well. So, he's got it. Like, right now, I'm seeing a dude who is just putting together all the tools that you want. I'm seeing a dude who is reading the field, who is making good decisions, who has those physical tools, who is consistently composed. And when you put all those things together, you got a franchise quarterback. And that's what he is. I don't think that you can question that. And uh, props to the Packers for keeping him around with the little short yeah. extension through next year. But uh, he's going to be getting paid a lot of money after that because this is a guy who is already at least on the fringes of being a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. This is very consistent high-level football from him in the second half of this season. It's one of the best value contracts in all of football. And, uh, yeah, be mad. Be mad the Packers did it again, man. The, yeah. Steelers, the Steelers find coaches. The Packers find QBs, man. For real. And they as a whole deserve a lot of credit like oh, yeah. what an accomplishment for this year dude this is a really young football team and by the way when we talk about elite production without elite skill position talent as we were saying for cj the same absolutely applies for jordan love with the packers and you could argue maybe their receiving group was a little bit underrated right like i like Jaden reed i like romeo dobbs christian watson obviously a disappointment but it's not an above-average group of weapons. And he is still producing at this really, really, really high level. The guy's a stud. And the Packers as a whole, man, I've been really impressed by. We had this conversation last week about who would be the most dangerous seven seed in the mm -hmm. NFC. I felt pretty clearly that it was the Packers. I absolutely feel that way. Going to the Cowboys is going to be tough. They are outmatched, but this team is ahead of schedule, I would say. I know you picked them to win the division. There were people who thought they would be there. But when you think about how young they are, how much of an uncertain commodity love was, the fact that this team was sitting at 3-6 and, and had really sputtered, 
They have flipped the switch, and Jordan Love is a huge reason for that because he has been a different player in the second half of the year. And when they needed to win six of their last eight to get in the playoffs, he was the driving factor behind that. Damn right. And I don't know about you. I think Dallas is a very winnable game. It's not likely, like you said. Yeah. I think it's winnable. What do they really do better than Dallas? Nothing, but it's Dallas in the playoffs. <laughs> Come God, on. You fire me up, Logan. You just fire me up. You just have your guys... And then you just have your nemeses. Mm -hmm. You just ride with Baker Mayfield. You can't really say why. All you ever say is that he's a corked up white boy with some swag to him. It's mm -hmm. not a great reason. And then the Cowboys, you kind of just say they're the Cowboys. And that's it. What more do you need to say? Would you pick them or you just think that's a winnable game? You don't I, have to choose yet, but I wouldn't I just, mind if you did. I just know it's coming. The, you know the, it's coming. The, the Cowboys crap in their pants is always right around the corner. Mm. I don't know mm. when it's going to happen, but it's soon. It's always coming. It's going to be the wild card, if it's going to be the divisional, if it's going to be the conference title game. Well, it's mm -hmm. probably not going to be. It's probably going to be the divisional round, let's be honest. Let's here's see. My only, here, here's my only problem. Mm -hmm. Here's my only problem with the inevitable downfall of the Cowboys takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Only one of 32 teams wins the Super Bowl every year. Mm -hmm. So the Cowboys aren't necessarily even due for their next Super Bowl if they just had average results. And now the thing is, of course, they are consistently a good football team. They just haven't been a great football team. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl since the era with the triplets. But most of the time, and actually Jason said this on our show, or no, we he said this when we were on his show the other week. Like Most of the time, if you just say that team is not going to win at all, you're probably going to be right just as a matter of probability. And I do feel that that happens with the Cowboys because there's an extra spotlight on them, and they're the Cowboys. They've had a couple, like, remarkable meltdowns. I can't deny that. But I don't know if I just buy that as the reason. Like, I don't really trust Mike McCarthy. He concerns me. But would I be shocked if they beat the Niners and they were in the Super Bowl? I would not be shocked. It would. It would knock my socks that off. That would knock would, your socks it off. It would baffle me. That would baffle you. I'm picking the Niners in that matchup. But uh, if the pass rush really gets home, they disrupt Brock. He has one of those bad games where his eyes are bugging out of his head and he's trying to do too much. And Dak is just really damn good, as he has been for most of this year. Cowboys could totally win that game. I don't think if there's like a massive delta between the two. So that's all I'm saying. If I can defend Dallas, I do expect them to beat the Packers. If they don't, it will probably be because of a Jordan Love masterclass, and that would fire me up because I am on the J-Love train, and I apologize for not being one of the first ones on board. We have to talk about the Steelers before we get out of here, Logan, because they did it. Sure, they beat Tyler Huntley and some backups, and yeah, it was a little bit close for comfort, but they did it. They put up their 17 points, and they won. Can they win a playoff game? Probably not, but... It's possible. It's mm. very possible. Now, here's why not. TJ Watt uh, reportedly yeah. suffered a sprained MCL. Uh, point blank, TJ Watt has been this team's best player since he stepped foot on the field in 2017. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are without TJ Watt, they are likely not going to win this football game. I believe, uh, I don't have the stat pulled up. I can get at this very quick. I believe the Steelers are 1-10 uh, without T.J. Watt in his career, uh, I am getting... Disturbing. Disturbing, if true. They are 1-10 without T.J. Watt in his career. And so, just off that, I don't like the Steelers' chances. Bro is kind of the MVP. That's what I'm saying, man. When you 
when you think about all the myriad of defensive injuries that the Steelers have suffered, Minka Fitzpatrick will not be out there. Demonte KZ uh, was ejected for the entirety of the season. You know, I mean, we're down to fourth and fifth string secondary guys. We slid Patrick Peterson over to safety. That man cannot tackle to save his life. Uh, you know, we're on second and third. We're on, on the fourth string corners. We are literally on fourth and fifth string linebackers. We're without our two best defensive players. We are without the majority of our starting defense. We struggled with Baltimore's B team, and now we have to beat Josh Allen. Not impossible. The formula is going to have to be really specific, though. The formula is Mason Rudolph plays mistake-free football, and I'll cut him some slack on this last game. Classic Ravens-Steelers pouring down rain. Nobody could hold on to the football. I'll cut him some slack on the fumbles and the mishaps with that, but... We have to trust him to play mistake-free football. That has to happen. The offensive line also has to get an insane push. They have to run the ball. That has been the Steelers' identity in the second half of this season. Najee and Warren have combined to be one of the best backfields in the league. And it is powered by, in my opinion, Broderick Jones, Isaac Sumalo. And I've just seen more fire behind this offensive line. Mm-hmm. And the big thing to me is with that, it's a very specific Steelers formula. Because if these things do not right, we will get the dog walked on us. We will get blown out by Josh Allen 35-14, to 14, if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. If all of those things happen, then we need one more thing to happen. And that is Mason Rudolph connecting on a timely big shot play or multiple big shot plays. This Steelers resurgence offensively has been powered by the O-line, has been powered by the running game, but it has also been powered by Mason Rudolph playing fearless, composed, Mm -hmm. Uh, football. Like, he has three TDs, all three of them of over 60 yards. That's insane. And I'll highlight one game against Baltimore that I think really encapsulates it, that that TD to Deontay Johnson. Uh, It is a beautiful play design. Uh, That's another thing that I want to add on a caveat, because I was talking about Kenny. Another big component of the Steelers' turnaround has just been play creativity, play design, Mm-hmm. timing the plays have been called. Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan know what they're doing. Matt Canada did not. Those mm-hmm. two guys know what they're doing. Yeah, And they have set up Mason for success. And I think if we saw Kenny Pickett come back, I think Kenny Pickett would look like a better quarterback with the new play calling that we're getting. So I'll cut him a little slack too. But the shot play, beautiful play design. It is a cover three against Baltimore. Baltimore uh, has Marcus Williams in the middle third zone. Pat Fryermuth runs a curl flat. There's no linebacker over the middle to cover Pat. So Marcus Williams drops down. He comes out of his deep middle third, drops down to the curl zone in the middle of the field. And right there, it is perfect timing by Mason Rudolph where he throws that ball to Deontay Johnson right where the safety is dropping in. It's perfectly timed. And it is Mason fearlessly standing there under pressure waiting for that to open up. Mason made that happen. He delivered it on time and then Deontay ran the rest of the way. Beautiful play design. It was on time, and Mason's fearlessness powered that. And he has this entire time. The big plays to Pickens. Him standing in the pocket for a little too long than he's probably comfortable with in delivering that ball downfield. So it's going to take all of those things, like I mentioned earlier, and then it's going to take one-plus big-time shot plays. I don't—I mean, if you ask me to guess, we have a bet on this game, Carson. We're going to have a wager. 
I probably yeah. wouldn't expect the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. I just wouldn't bet against Josh Allen. The better quarterback? Come on, man. It's a Josh Allen versus Mason Rudolph playoff game. Who do you think I'm betting on? Not Mason Rudolph. There's yeah. a possibility. It's like a it's a dumb and dumber chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, true. Uh, everything has to go right for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this football game. And the Bills probably have to massively screw up. Yeah, look, I mean, the Bills play down to competition. I don't know if you can play down in a playoff game. Like, I think you get up on your horse for that one. But if anybody can do it, it's probably the Buffalo Bills because they have to escape against the Chargers. They escape against the Pats. They lose to the Pats. They lose to the Broncos. That's what they do best. That's what they do best. They are a very bipolar football team. But you've basically covered the how the Steelers could do it category. So I'll kind of just check no here. I think it's very <laughs> unlikely. I think the Bills will probably be double-digit favorites in this game at home. It's just hard, man, when your offense is limited. And, of course, they had consecutively by far their best offensive performances of the year with Mason Rudolph. And I do think Mason Rudolph is an upgrade. I just don't think he's enough of an upgrade. And I think if this Bills defense has been playing better. And I think that you hit on a key point, which is that this Steelers defense banged up right now is not nearly at its peak level it is not at the level of a quintessential Steelers defense which is part of what's so impressive about the fact that they are here anyways that TJ stat does move me you talked about their point differential historically how that stacks up they're one of just 25 teams ever to make the playoffs with a negative 20 point differential or worse remarkably the 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers are here here as well so they've done it two times in the last three years unbelievable that's just what they do at the same time been a long time since they actually won a playoff game logan and that's because when you get into these situations against legitimately talented football teams who are dialed in and on their p's and q's you kind of gotta have that high-end quarterback talent that offense that you trust to put up 27 points in one of these games and uh they still don't have that to me so i would be very 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 surprised if i was the one sitting in front of a live audience for five minutes making rooster noises or whatever the hell you're going to be doing i think the bills are going to win this game i think you missed a couple varies in there oh my bad very 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 sure that the bills are going to beat the steelers but i've been wrong before and i'll be wrong again in rudolph we trust yeah, I guess. Cross-eyed quarterback. I do want to say, TJ, I feel like it goes under the radar just like how unbelievable he is every single I, week, every single year. That's true for a lot of defensive players like Miles mm-hmm. Garrett as well, but there's two dudes ever who have had multiple 19-sack seasons, Yep, and it's TJ uh, and JJ. It's three, I think. Oh, maybe I'm missing something. Uh, maybe Mark Gastineau off the top of my head. It might be Mark Gastineau. Checking, checking, checking. But anyways, that's worked a conversation the other day for me. You are so correct, Logan, and I apologize for spreading misinformation. Somebody just said that to me yesterday, and I didn't confirm it. And it was, I think, my idiot brother or one of his idiot friends, so I should have checked that. But I will say, I think that they're the best brother duo in sports history. Now, my father would tell you the Ashore brothers, who are just a wonderful pair of squash players from Egypt, I believe. Rami was the best in the world, and his brother, I think, Hisham, was also quite good. They merit some consideration. The Sharp brothers, of course. The Barbers, the Mannings. But, like, TJ and JJ are better than all of them. Are you kidding me? These are, like, two of the ten best pass rushers that we've ever seen, and they're yeah. brothers. Sports history is pretty broad. Uh, so I It don't... is. 
I don't know where I'd come down. I mean, they have to be up there. And for I know I've said this before, and people can clown on me if they want. There's no question in my mind who the best defensive player on the planet is today. It has been T.J. Watt. It is still T.J. Watt. And I think when you factor in the run stopping with the pass rush ability, with the big play ability, forcing fumbles, interceptions, turnovers, mm-hmm. big game swinging plays for Pittsburgh in timely fashion, TJ's not only the best, uh, TJ's the best defensive player that I've ever watched. I would put him and Lawrence Taylor into their own tier of defensive players. Wow. Above their own tier? everybody else. Above wow. everybody else. Wow. I got to give a shout out to the Bryan brothers, the Bryan bros. Just the most dominant doubles pair in tennis for a long time they were pretty awesome all right i'm looking at a list now the gasol brothers good not as good as the watts yeah nobody's going to be as good as the watts bruce and clay matthews very good not as good as the watts they're number one logan like it or not they're number one on my list they weren't on complexes top 25 but i don't know what the hell they're smoking yeah i mean this is good good they're good good oh excuse me this was a decade ago (laughs) okay my bad i thought i saw 2020 yeah. All right, real quick, Logan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Favorite moment of this regular season? What was it? As we reflect, as we look back. Wow, this is pathetic. Probably Mason Rudolph connecting with George Pickens twice in that one game. Uh, outside yeah, of that? that is a little bit sad. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's it. Baker, May- Baker Mayfield stealing that last, uh, that last second football game. You know, dude, you deserve to take a Baker victory lap. Now, do I think that maybe he'll have a rough outing in the playoffs? I certainly think it's possible, but I picked them to win four games. I said Baker was going to be a very low-tier starter. Neither of those things were really all that close to true, so shout-out to them. What, was what do you think favorite? has been the saddest storyline of this season? Bryce Young and the Panthers, Yeah, I agree. far. I totally agree. I don't think it's close. My favorite? Honestly, if I could just choose Rams Ravens that entire Ooh, game, I like that. I thought that was the game of the year. Those were two quarterbacks who I love watching, who both played awesome games. And then the punt return to end it was very sick. Definitely one of the plays of the year. So this was a year where we didn't necessarily have a totally dominant team end to end. And there was some inconsistency and there was a lot of, change at the top of the sport if it was in the standings or if it was the mvp front runner or whatever and i know that some people are kind of down on that parody but overall pretty pretty freaking fun nfl regular season to me man they pretty much always are and i think that these playoffs are going to be a blast so if you want to hear our thoughts on these playoffs then you probably know where to find us but if you don't the nerd sesh youtube page is where you can find all of our full shows with video you can also listen to all of our shows across audio platforms you can follow us across social media tiktok and instagram at nerd sesh twitter at nerd underscore sesh and you can join our discord if you want that link is at the link tree across our social media bios to talk nfl nba be part of our community and you can check out nerd sesh merch we've got the flags behind us we've got hats we've got shirts we've got hoodies all that also at our link tree and at the volume.com so with that as always appreciate you guys hope you enjoyed this regular season i have been carson brabber I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.